0: Dear Lord God, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for this powerful book of Galatians. We'd ask that we would stand in reverence and fear before you, that we would understand the power of your gospel. In your son's name, amen. Well, we're at the end of Galatians 5. We we got through about verse 15. Um, And... I wanted to repeat that here at the top. You see, by the time you get to the actual passage we haven't covered yet, we're a good halfway down the page, because I shoved some Romans in there. And I apologize. But I want to remind you what it says there at the end of our sermon last week, verse 13 of chapter 5 of Galatians. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. It's telling us to do something. And it's not just the content. There's a content to it that says, you know, when people start talking down the law, it sounds like they're up to no good. You know, there's not really any Christian rules against cannibalism. That's what we use as an example here: cannibalism, or something. There's no, you no know, Christians aren't under the law anymore. And you start your eyes narrow as you look at the person. You back your small children away from them. You realize they're probably laying the groundwork for wickedness. But we were called to freedom, and we don't use our freedom. We're our wills are, 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 are called on the carpet. And said, only you don't do this. You were called to freedom. Don't do this with it. But through love, be servants of one another. Do you know what the freedom? It doesn't just include freedom. But through love, be servants of one another. It includes love. What we look at as evangelicals is because we preach the gospel, we preach you know, you, con- you confess, you repent and confess and declare and ask, whatever phrase you want to use, and the Lord saves you forgives you of sins, and life eternal. And so we're concentrating on the freedom we're set free from our sins but we're told that we're also called to love and love, frankly, as he says here, will not wrong his neighbor. In the background of that is your will being addressed. The passages in Galatians for a reason. Paul's writing to the Galatians is saying, "Think about this, only you don't. You decide not to. Because this is the case, indicatively. This is the imperative. This is where you are, you're at freedom and you're in love. You use that for your morality, not the law. But get morality. Because this whole thing, this whole religion, is not about you not having to carry the burden of your sins anymore. It's about sins. Because so many of us, and I you know I, I feel this way too, you ever pay off a credit card completely? I got pretty good credit, and so I got credit cards out the yin yang and I can charge stuff. And when you pay one off, and it's well I would I, just happen, remember the, the, the uh, home equity loan we used for the church? Well the church paid that back, and so it's all paid off. There's nothing, but we kept it down at the bank. Home equity line of credit. I could write a check for maybe five Mercedes. (laughs) I could just write a check, maybe four Mercedes. Okay, just write the check. Ever feel that way when you get out of debt on something? I I can go charge something. (laughs) Isn't that what it's for? that I have credit with God, that he forgave me. I no longer have the debt of sin, so I can go sin some more. Having a right theology, not, again, I would never want this church. I'd love this church to be able to talk about theology with a vast array of different opinions, but a, a conversation about a theology that every bit of it is about making us more like the Lord Jesus Christ, not getting to be right about something. But this theology, this what you understand about your salvation, do you know you were in flight from sin? Not the burden of sin, but sin itself. So for you to go... I got relieved of the debt. I'm going to go charge some more. Means that you're more about the burden you had to carry. You didn't like the punishment that was coming on you. It's like the little child. Did you, are you sorry you did it? Or are you sorry you got caught? Are you sorry that you did sin? Or are you sorry that it's a burden to you? And too often, we just like that moment of grace where the burden is lifted, and then we go back and sin some more. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, I want to stress, there's beautiful things to stress in this passage, and this is why Galatians can be gone through any number of times with different axes of thought. Um, I feel under a certain pressure Because Roy came to me last week and said, I was just looking at this next passage and I see something in it and I want to know if you're going to see it next week. Oh, golly, man. Too bad, Roy. It's going to happen what's going to happen. uh, Wonderful things are there that we're not going to cover. You know, I could preach for twice as long this Sunday. The wife doesn't have to get home and put something in the oven in California. I can do what I want. I can just go to McDonald's afterwards. <laughs> a, so that's the reason I look at Romans 8. This is We took it up last week, all the way up to there in verse 15. I want you to know what Paul's thought is that when he tells you you know, Galatians was a very early book. They think maybe perhaps the earliest New Testament book written. Um, consequently, when you get to Romans, Paul is laying it out. He's fighting for it in Galatians. He's surprised that, they're, that they don't understand this. And, he, and it's sort of shaping up aggressively in Galatians. In Romans 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, remember, you're not talking about is the burden lifted, not just is the debt paid. The debt is paid for people for whom the problem of sin and death was the problem, not the cost of it that it was there. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order listen to this, in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Because God is not setting you free to make some sort of anarchy in a bunch of people who aren't under laws anymore. That's how people think of the antinomian, again, nomos is law, anti is against, and antinomian is somebody who's against the law, and most people who are against the law function in a lawless fashion. But we're not coming to Christ out of a desire to get away from the rules and have the debt paid off. I mean, that, that sort of idea about credit would be awful, that not only is your debt paid off, but none of the rules regarding debt, like debt limits and things like that, will now do not apply to you. But now, the character of God, the, the, the imperative of what he wants his creation to be, still exists. The law did not bring it you to that. That's why it, it failed. Weakened by the flesh, it could not do it. Jesus Christ, this, this Christianity is for people who want holiness who want to be like Jesus Christ don't want debt repayment want to be like Jesus Christ and debt repayment is part of that so that this is so the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled so that I could be good who walk according to the f- who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. Now you're going to notice something. The red. If you ever want another color or you feel the tradition of the church is becoming a little bit too red centered, uh, we could. Yellow's hard to read. Don't request yellow. Set their minds. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds. Look at that. Verse 6, set the mind. Verse later, 6, set the mind. Verse 7, for the mind that is set. Hold it. What? Do you think there might be something up here? Let's hold that bit of red phrasing in our minds that we would look at this question as Christians and examine what the parts are that that should be concerning you you know the grace of god is a wonderful thing that by his power his work on the cross his gift his sovereignty putting you right with him it's the power of god you have none of that power but you're being appealed to to saying that you're going to be one way or the other. You're going to be setting your mind on the flesh. On the, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit Oh, I missed one. Set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You can go home and highlight it or something. Set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It is important where you set your mind. It's called a mindset, oddly enough. Because I've, I've put my framing someplace. When we teach on child rearing or, or marriage stuff in our seminars, one of the basic things we always cover first is the spiritual condition of the home, spiritual condition of the marriage, spiritual condition of whatever it is. Because you have to have a default that this home, the holiness of God is either lived or it is being returned to. No ifs, ands, or buts. Nobody gets to stay in sin. You don't get to countenance bad attitudes. You don't get to count in yourself or anyone else. You want your mind, when you get up in the morning, to be a Christian mind. Not the mind of Evan Wilson, and he decides a little bit later is this going to be a more Christian day or a less Christian day. He gets up as a Christian, goes to sleep as a Christian. Is your mind set on the flesh? Verse 6 To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So you really need to look at the results in your situation. Say, okay, is my life death and sin? Or is it life and peace? Is what I am doing, what I am currently doing, is it producing life and peace in me? Do people look at my family and look at my children and my marriage and my circumstances as life and peace? Is Is the power of God being represented this way? Because that's what a mind set on the spirit is going to do. Now, people who live in a state of constant calamity in their lives, they just they look around at everybody else in constant calamity and they wonder well, this is just normal, this is what happens, this is how families function, this is how lives go. Now, it's the mind set on the flesh is death. For the mind that is set on the flesh, verse 7, is hostile, and this is probably the key point. What do you what do you mean by mindset? Do you mean, i got to go subscribe to Christianity Today, or Presbyterian journal, and have it come to my house every month, and be found sitting on the porch on a Sabbath reading it. Uh, uh, is this what, what it is? Do I have to go to every Bible study you put on, Evan? Uh, do I have to? Do I have to do? That? do I have to do? Sounds like you're hostile to God. For the word set on the flesh is hostile to God. Christianity. It asks for you, you. It didn't ask for a sacrifice. It didn't ask for performance. It didn't ask for scripture memory. It didn't ask for a lot of stuff it didn't ask for. It asked for you. Jesus Christ says that anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There you go. Do not hate your father and mother, son and daughter, even your own life. You cannot be his disciple. He wants you. He is, what does he say? He's a jealous God. Yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell within you. And so the definition here, at least a working one, is that if you want to know what the mindset is of the flesh, it's hostile. It is not submitting to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In the back of your mind, I want you to be thinking of that verse in Hebrews where it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But whatever the case, the person that is set on the flesh is hostile, and because there is a challenge in you, there's a challenge. because there's not room in this town of yours for two divinities. You can't serve two masters. Remember that? Okay. And with one of them's you, and one of them's the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you're going to be hostile to one of them. And if you're struggling with God all the time about what you do and who you are, what you're willing to obey him in. Maybe you're trying to have two gods and both gods are whispering in your ear. But Paul's opinion in Romans st- still, he says, this, this passage about Galatians, it will be. It will be in a few a couple lines. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. So you're, you're, you're not that way, right? You're not that way you're in the spirit. And he says, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you because we're not just talking about some sort of philosophy that you set your mind to. This is not just, well, Evan's kind of a rationalist and he's setting his mind on things and if you just set your, you know, power of positive thinking. You're also possessed by the spirit you set your mind on. Because we know that the power of God is all the magic in your life. All the magic that's going on is the power of God. You just Your cooperation is, where would you be? If in fact God's spirit. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you're at the point of this struggle where you know that there is nothing good in you, You don't have the spirit in you to set your mind on. Your service to yourself is one of constant, constant victory. If you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. I don't make the rules, folks. I didn't write the book. I just put the red type there. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. So, chapter 5, 16, the actual passage that we were brought together this morning to look at. But I say, or he had just said, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, back in verse 13. "Be Through love, be servants of one another. Love your neighbors as yourselves. Don't bite and devour. And he says, well, I say, walk by the Spirit. And do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now part of this, if I combine Romans and Galatians, going, okay, Paul's suggesting also that the kind of concept of setting your minds on something. What is your mindset? Here it's a matter of gratification, how you walk, being in a way of God. And we're saying, how do I go about not taking opportunity for the flock? Because I'm supposed to, as a Christian, not just be called out of sin's guilt, the burden, but away from sin as a life. Not use it as an opportunity for the flesh. And I want to know, people who pursue holiness want to know how to do that. I was talking to my father at dinner Thursday night, and um, he gave me some uh, good advice or good advice instruction i guess it was on his aspect of obeying the scripture says you know first you have to agree that it's true the hardest hardest thing in the scripture is it true yeah it's true then she said spend the next few weeks thanking god for it for that truth you know you don't like that passage about hating your mother and father is it true is it true did jesus say a true thing there or are you in charge turn the other cheek. I don't care what the hard thing is. Thank God for it. It's true, and thank him for it. Keep thanking him for it. till your opinion changes about the universe. But we're looking for ways to set our minds on things of God, and things set our minds on things of the flesh, or avoiding that, it says here, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Okay? You are set free from the flesh. We're not talking... We're not talking about the opportunity of a Christian war between two dualistic purposes in your life, and you've got this old nature that just wants to sin, and you've got this new nature that wants to go to a Bible study, and and it's this constant tension. That's a common, common view. But you were set free from that flesh back in verse 13. You were set free. You're called to freedom. Now it's how do I deal with the opportunity of the flesh? Because the flesh is just an opportunity in believers that freedom allows them. It's not a necessity. It's not like fish breathing water. You have an opportunity to go scuba diving, and you're told not to take it. You're not a fish anymore. But there are still desires of the flesh, and they're against the desires of the spirit. For these are opposed to each other. Alright, got that. Yeah, flesh, spirit. I get that picture. To prevent you from doing what you would. Both of them are opposed to the other. To prevent you from doing what you would. What would you? First question. Are you one of those people that are just kind of using the Lord? To get rid of the problem. Not not be the expression of a shape of a person you want to become. It says, I want to be like the Lord Jesus, or I, you know, really no, I just want to be forgiven. I want to have that easy place I can go, pray a prayer, confess something, and walk away, head held head high, because Jesus is gracious. What would you? The spirit is there in your life as believers to keep you, if you're one of those believers who would live a life of sin, to keep you from doing that. The flesh is there to keep you from doing what you would want to do. It's an opportunity if you are wanting righteousness and holiness. There is the flesh. You have carried a sack of meat around with you with its urges. It's an opportunity. I think it's more important to ask where your mind is and what would you do? Who's arguing with you? Are you trying to live a life of sin which the Holy Spirit is arguing against? Or are you trying to live a life of holiness which the flesh is arguing against? Which one is it? What would you do? So what do we do? do The big meaning of Galatians, or the big topic of Galatians, is we have these two sets of mind, one set on the spirit, one set on the flesh, and instead of remedying the mindset of the flesh by the mindset of the spirit, we make a bunch of Christian laws to try to mask the mindset on the flesh, to make it look like you're not a bad person and we're not a bad church. I don't care which rules we came up with or rules you found in the Bible when you try to have the law insisted in people's lives not because they would what's that great phrase that the Greeks came and asked the disciples they said we would see Jesus it's a great phrase we would see Jesus we don't know if what happens to those Greeks it doesn't follow up the rest of their story but their line was great would you see Jesus? Would you want to be in a place, in a life that is measured by a mind set on his holiness, having the spirit, finding the way of the spirit? Or are you just happy enough to have kind of a devout and religious kind of, I prefer Christianity to Buddhism, and yes, thankfully the church provides me with a bunch of rules by which I can look really Christian. Um... That's what masks it. This is to be led rather than law. You know what? Someone who functions as if there's a tight set of rules is under law. If you decide to follow somebody, I mean, you decide to follow them. It's not a matter of punishment and rules. It's a matter of I admire where they're going, who they are, what they want. Now I want you to notice something about the, the flesh. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay? I want you to that first, first step, those people who are masking their mindset on the flesh by sufficient rules that make them look sufficiently good in sufficient number of circumstances that mostly does not hide what goes on at home. They know what goes on at home. They know what goes on in their own mind. But the law keeps them socially proper. If you're actually led by the Spirit, you're not under that kind of law. You are changed or not masked. You're fixed. You're made free. You, can, you have the power of God to leverage what you would into his holiness. Now the works of the flesh, verse 19, are plenty. Now, look at look look at these. They're bad. Right? Fornication. Sleeping around. Impurity. Anything not covered by fornication, but also of a sexual nature. Licentiousness. Anything else that's of a sexual nature that you didn't manage to include in impurity. You include it in licentiousness. You're not getting away with this. Idolatry, sorcery, okay, trafficking in demons. You can say, yeah, I'm against that. I'm against idolatry, worshipping Baal, and uh, calling up demons of hell in my living room. Because you know what Hotel California is about? When it's not actually. And you, <laughs> Christians get all, you know like they're on some crusade against the devil. Because the devil's everybody goes, yes, the devil is bad. We think Satan is bad. Enmity, that's a feud. That's a long-term state of being at odds with somebody. Strife, beginning to sound like the average church. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger. Now we're fully into Christian sin selfishness, dissension party spirit that's not going to parties okay that's factiousness that's I'm a Presbyterian and you're a Lutheran let's kill each other okay been a bit of that in Christian history envy, drunkenness carousing, that's party spirit <laughs> carousing is going to you know, the party and the like, in case anything I, the, the UCMJ Uniform Code of Military Justice Article 134, I think it's 134. Mm, don't quote me on this. Anything not covered in the previous 133 articles, hereby covered in this article. And anything else. You know, basically said, anything bad, I can list, oh, boy, that's pretty bad. And you're going, huh, he didn't catch me. And the like. Clutch It's, uh, it's not just a list of... Those of you who are looking for a law to mask your wickedness, you, you look at those as laws. Right? Okay, I guess we can't fornicate no mo, Or worship demons. Dang it. I guess the Bible is against selfishness. Can't do that. remember he just told you you're not under a law, you're under a spirit he's just describing something he's just describing some selfish bit of work you notice that it's not the flesh the works of the flesh are not qualified as works of the flesh because they're fleshly he doesn't say the works of the flesh are plain marriage eating, dinner Well, gluttony certainly is sin, and fornication is certainly sin. Why, if if there, we don't want to take the, you might say, the monastic notion that it's the fleshness of it that makes it evil, It's the work of the flesh. Because the work of the flesh happens when I genuflect in its direction. When I say, no, I am hostile to God, I am seeking my own leadership, because it's the leadership of the self that drags me across a line where it's no longer sex with my wife, it's sex with the other woman. It's the adultery. Because obedience makes the work of the flesh the work of the flesh. Not that it's present, not that it's... I mean, when you get down to the things of the flesh, like sexuality, Paul... In Corinthians is going, you know, you better, better take care of this and take care of that and take care of that. Better be involved in that. Because it isn't that it's flesh and it isn't that it's sex. It's that you obeyed it. And when you obeyed it, when you were hostile to obeying God, it said, hey, let's go over here. Let's sin over here, this way. And you went and did it. All of these things are you obeying you. They're all very natural. Evil is not very creative. C.S. Lewis deals a lot with this about how evil is really non an entity. It's only a perversion, only a degradation of the good. It has no actuality. All these things are part of some good in life that God wants you to enjoy and be thankful for. What makes it evil is who you obeyed and where he told you to go with it. Your desire for magic in your life, so you get involved in sorcery. Your desire for things, so instead of working hard with your hands, living peaceably with your neighbors, you stole or you just envied. That's what sin looks like. when you seek your own when you are hostile to God and not to you that's what it, the shape it takes one of those, you're not going to be all of those you know that some of these things have caught me on that not. but I'm not that bad, I'm not the whole list some people are the whole list I put it here on the notes it's the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of heaven last, was it? last week was the kingdom of leaven versus the kingdom of heaven I'm just on a roll here So many things rhyme with heaven. Heaven, heaven. But your your name does not. But put your name in there. It's your kingdom or the kingdom of God. And if it's not the kingdom of God, you just found out you're hostile to God. And that's going to be the mindset on the flesh. And this is what it's going to look like, one part of it or another. But I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So, do you realize that what God is doing in the cosmos with his salvation is trying to move people from wickedness to righteousness, not from the burden of their sins to not having the burden of their sins, but from wickedness to righteousness. His kingdom does not countenance this kind of nonsense. So if you're going to set your mind on things above, you have to realize where those things exist. It's not about getting people out of debt or changing their debt limit it's changing their view of debt this debt but the fruit of the spirit I want you to notice something a lot of scholars have said this I, that's not unique to this church or this moment the works of the flesh is plural it's plural in the Greek the fruit of the spirit is singular it's single, singular in the Greek One fruit, but there's a list. One fruit. Oh, you can, you can decide to sin selectively. Your particular urges, your little decisions about what you're going to be doing, might feature. Guy asked me during the break, which of the seven deadly sins would I want to be like? You don't generally ask the pastor that. I did answer sloth. We can select things that match us, things that fit our urges. If you are selecting off the fruit of the spirit list, you don't understand it's the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of your selection. It is that which grows out of you from the spirit, and all of it grows out of you. If you've selected it, you're pretending in an area that you naturally are able to do. When I was traveling on a motorcycle many years ago across the country and met up with my parents in Nebraska and was riding up to the Northwest, and my bike broke down and my mother commented to me, because it broke down repeatedly, um, that I, I I was really patient. She was complimenting me. I felt complimented. But I had to tell her, I said, ah, it's not righteousness, Mother. I'm just, I just don't care. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a gift. Um, it's a natural disposition. And sometimes we are naturally disposed to be sociable people, right? And so we look at the list and go, oh, I'm really kind and joyful. <laughs> I'm just going you know if you were raised that way, you naturally have some tendencies to be nice to people in certain ways and some tendencies to be wicked in certain ways. With evil, yes, you do get to pick off the menu. It's not a system. It's not cohesive. It's chaos. It doesn't mind being a total wreck. So you can be a wreck in that. There's one fruit of the spirit. And the spirit in you, it because it's a real spirit and because it's actually attending to, setting your mind on, these things come out of you descriptively in toto. You don't get to love. First thing on the list, love. What did we learn back in love fulfills the whole law? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Through love be servants of one another. If I've set my mind on the things of God, if I have followed God, if I have found his way, not my way, and the Spirit of God in Christ is in me, the fruit will be all of this. When you sin, and Christians can sin, when you sin, you might notice that it knocks certain of them off the list. You become impatient, you know. Really, when you became impatient, you became unloving. When you became ungentle, harsh, unfaithful, chaotic instead of peaceful. You're really lacking love. You're really lacking the thing, the thing of the spirit. But it will reflect differently in each person because your temperament, just like your sins were because of your particular urges, your particular flesh. But when it's partial, you're being trained to think that this exists in you partially, that you work it out as a list and you finally get around, you don't like sushi, so you never order it. And it's self-control. Yeah, I know it's on the list, but who really cares? I'm a joyful person. I'm a peaceful person. It's of the spirit. It's one fruit. And against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The flesh is that, does that mean that, we know from Paul's other teaching, he does not mean don't enjoy your food and don't sleep with your wife. He means passions and desires. There is a demand. You hung that demand up on a cross with its, you might say, its excesses. He said, no, the excess would require that for even though God said something else, I would obey my flesh to get at that excess, to get to that fornication, to get to that enmity, that strife, that selfishness. Because I'm that kind of person. I have the passion, I have the desire. And the second step is I have the obedience. I will obey my passions and my desires. Passage out of Hebrew, uh, Peter. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. <clears throat> Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's a calm statement. Earlier in the book, what did he tell you? Oh, foolish Galatians! who has bewitched you, is chapter 3, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit, you're now ending with the flesh? He now, in a much calmer moment, after he told some people to mutilate themselves in a the previous chapter, He says if we live by the spirit if we came to this life in the spirit if your faith brought you this forgiveness and life eternal if you're brought from death to life by the spirit let's also live that way too what do you say let us live not like all the other religions where you get a set of rules and a set of sacrifices and a place to go pray to or bow down to where religion and liturgy and all the rest become the shape of your life. No, the Spirit of God becomes the shape of your life. Let us walk by that Spirit. Let us, and look what he reminds us of. We'll cover this passage again, this last verse, again next week when we get into chapter 6. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking one another, no envy of one another. In many ways, if you're talking theologically and it's okay, set your minds on the flesh and the spirit, it's just this, this kind of flesh or it's just this, this kind of flesh. And, and you can get, you say I'm lost, I'm lost. Oh pastor, why do you have to talk in those sorts of terms? St. Paul talks in those terms and he says, yeah, okay let's cut to the chase for you people. Don't be conceited. Don't be about you. Love other people, not You Don't provoke other people. Don't envy other people. You know, because those are all about you. And you aren't about you anymore. Jesus Christ has made us about loving others. We're all very talented at loving ourselves. We're told to say, look at how you love yourself. Why don't you love your neighbor that way? Why don't you do good to him like you would do good to yourself? That will make you holy. Where is your mind? What would you do? Are you happier with a church or a religion that gives you sufficient rules to follow? Or would you actually rejoice to hear that you don't have to do a darn thing. Now, what are you going to do? You've got no rules. Is there going to be a riot? Stone me with stones? What are you going to do? Go home and speed. What are you gonna? Know? Who are you like? What do you want to be like? Who do you want to be when you grow up? Jesus Christ. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your son. We trust that your church would learn that we are here to follow him. We trust that what his life provides to us, the just requirement of your character would be that we would find it in setting our minds on your spirit, not being hostile to your government, loving that we would be and see Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.